All right, kids, come on up. Hey, Shane, how are you doing today? Good. I'm glad you were able to be here. And so you came up. I saw. That's pretty cool. Don't fall down, table. All right. I'm so glad you guys came today. This is a rock. Whoa, table, don't fall down. These half tables always want to fall down. What is that? That's a rock. Right? You want to hold it? It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's, come on, you come on up. You guys come, come on up, come on up. I know it's got moss growing on it. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm, exactly. Isn't that cool? Yeah. This is a pretty heavy rock, isn't it? Yeah. Try it. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. Solid, cold. It was outside. It is cold, isn't it? You guys want to hold it for a second? Careful, it's really heavy. Got it? Okay. Now, what's this? Go ahead and sit down. You guys can sit down. This is a piece of paper. What's this? Scissors. What do you do with scissors? You cut things. What do you do with paper? What do you do with paper? What do you do with a rock? Nothing. Nothing. That's right. Did you know you can play a game with a rock and paper and scissors? Do you know how to play that game? Have you ever played that game? Have you played it before? How does it work? Tell me how it works. What do you do? Uh huh. So you go like this, or like this, or like this. And what happens when you do that? He's going to tell me the story. Hold on, hold on. Uh huh. So the scissors cut the paper, and then the scissors win. Okay. What happens if, if you have the paper and you have the rock? What happens? So the paper covers over the rock and so the paper wins. What happens if you have a rock and scissors? Rock wins. How come? It's oh, it could smash the scissors. Okay, so if I'm playing the game, so I do this, right? I do one, two, three, do like that. Ah, scissors. Whoa, stay, stay. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, these silly tables. Church board, we need a full-size table. Okay, scissors. You had scissors, right? So we're equal. We had scissors. You had a rock, so you beat me. And you have scissors. And what did you guys have? You didn't do anything? Okay, cool. Let's try again. One, two, three, four. Ah, oh, you cut my... And then we all had papers, so we did, we're equal. So this is pretty fun. So, now let me ask you, so that's a fun game, but if I wanted, if I wanted to, like, cut some cloth, could I use this? No. I would have to use the scissors, but I could use the scissors to cut the cloth, right? What if I wanted to write a letter, what would I use? 
I would use the scissors to write a letter. But where would I write? On the rock? Would I write on the rock? I would write on the paper. Oh, so if I want to write a letter, I could write on the paper. What if I wanted to have um, a drink? What if I was thirsty? Where would I, what, how could I, what could I use to have, to get something to drink? There's nothing in here that I could do? So I can't get a drink from scissors? I couldn't get, I couldn't get a drink out of rock? That would be impossible, wouldn't it, to get a drink out of a rock? Do you know that in the Bible there is a story that Moses was leading all of the people from Israel, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, and they were in the desert and they were very thirsty and they got to this place and there was no water. And they turned to Moses and said, we're going to die in the desert, we don't have any water. And you know what Moses did? He went into the tent where they meet, where Moses would meet with God. And he got, the Bible says he got on his knees before God and he prayed. He said, God, I have thousands of people here and they're thirsty and there's no water. What are we supposed to do? We're going to die if we don't have something to drink. And you know what God said? God said, Moses, I want you to take the staff, that stick that you use as a walking stick, and I want you to go out to the big rock that's right over there, and I want you to take the stick and hit the rock. And you know what happened when Moses did that? What? Water just started coming out of the rock. That's impossible. But God made it happen. So the people of Israel had water to drink. See, we can't make something like that happen. But God can. Whenever we need something that we can do, we can do it. We can make, we can cut stuff with scissors, or we can write a letter. But if we need something that's impossible, what do we have to do? We have to ask God. And God can make something that's impossible, possible. Isn't that cool? Even if it doesn't make, even if you don't think it can happen, you can still go to God and say, God, I don't know how this is going to happen, but God, I'm trusting you. I don't know how it's going to be happening, but please, can you make this happen for me? And God has the power to even make water come out of rocks. That is so cool. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. God can do anything. We are going to sing a song right now about God being powerful. Do you guys want to sing that song with me? Come on, stand up, Craig. Can you bring that, that video up for the kids? Sing it with me, guys. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big and so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do.
Jesus, please bless these kids. Please help them, God, to live in the knowledge that you can do anything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys can go to your class now, okay? If you want to go, or you can go back and sit with your folks. Whichever you want to do, okay? We are blessed this week. We have a very dear friend who four years ago moved away. Because God called them to be missionaries to Brazil. They left here October, whatever the date was, in 2019. And less than six months later, COVID struck. And they were in the middle of trying to raise their funds. And God literally stopped them in their tracks. And I'm not going to go any farther with that story because Jesse might be talking about it in just a few minutes. But I've asked Jesse to come and preach for us this morning. Whatever God has asked him to speak, I'm, I'm trusting it's a word for us. And then this, this afternoon, after church is over with, we're going to gather downstairs for a potluck meal. If you didn't bring food, that's okay. There's lots. Just come and join us so that we can visit with uh, Jesse and Becky. Jesse, come on up. Okay. So, well, I guess about maybe half year, a little under, know us, and uh, the other half don't. So, um, that is my beautiful wife, Becky. She's my better half. She's the part of me that's compassionate and caring and loves everybody and makes you feel loved. I'm just the rude, straightforward guy. Um... Don't let me fool you, though. I'm really a teddy bear inside. Uh, I do care for everybody, but being a guy, I've got a hard time showing emotions. Um, God did call us here, you know, know, actually started calling us years ago, back when I was in my early 20s. God called me to Brazil. And I kind of ran from the call for a while, and um, shortly after I married my wife, you know, I, 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 well, when I was running from the call, I was, you know, I was in the whole Jonah thing, you know, hanging out with pirates I shouldn't be hanging out with, so they threw me overboard, and I got swallowed up by a whale. Well, Alaska spat me out, and I met my wife, and it caused me to uh, front slide and uh, preach to my Nineveh, which was to actually grow in my faith, um, learn how to show, give my wife Becky a part of God that she's never experienced before. She's been saved her whole life, you know. And uh, 
as, as I'm pouring into my wife, her life is changing, my life's changing, and God really starts calling us into ministry. So we basically left what we were doing up on, on the Elliott Highway, you know, I was driving back and forth every day, and we came here on China Hot Springs Road, and we had a dog sled business for a number of years. And we used the dog sled business to reach the world around us, tell people about Jesus, you know. The joke was is they paid us to tell them about Jesus, you know. And God opened up tons of doors. We got to meet a lot of really cool people from all over the world. Uh, we had many Chinese folks, you know. They, we, we bought cheap Chinese Bibles off of eBay and Amazon for $1.50, and we had them for, just for anybody who wanted them in our tour cabin. And there'd be these little Chinese kids that would draw these Bibles with tears in their eyes and hold them to their chest and say, my grandma had one of these. Well, God was moving in, in, a, in a lot of ways. A lot of hearts were being touched. A lot of, you know, a lot of really cool stuff we got to see happen. And uh, uh, God started working on my heart. You know, I, I've always been, the, been, I like the idea of being an evangelist. Go in, get them saved, leave them for the pastor. But God started working on my heart about God not calling me to make converts. He's called me to make disciples. And that's the life that he's called everyone, everybody in the sound of my voice. He's called each one of you to make disciples, not converts. First part of, being, of making disciples, though, is letting them know the color of the paint on your kitchen walls. What I mean by that is letting them see real life as a Christian. There's too many people that look at somebody in the pew next to them or across the church and think, man, they got it perfect. They're that perfect church mom. They're that perfect church family. Well, guess what? We all have dirt. You know, we were talking, uh, you know, Pastor was sharing with that uh, first, one of the first songs about the light and the darkness having to flee. Well, in John, it says that uh, the darkness hates the light because it reveals its evil deeds. You know, we've all got those evil deeds, but it's the blood of Jesus. And knowing that that blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Not some, all. You know, I've said multiple times, there's several sins that I've asked for forgiveness for hundreds of times, but God only forgave me once. You know, you've asked forgiveness of those sins, if you ask forgiveness for that same sin again, God says, what sin? You're just letting the devil lie to you. So, in, in, in wanting to, beginning to get that pastoral heart and wanting to pour into the lives of other people, God reawoke in that calling to Brazil. And, you know, I, I started talking to my wife and she's basically, dude, you're nuts. You know, we've got everything going for us here. We've got a great ministry. We've got all this stuff that we can be doing with the people around here. You know, why can't we do it here? Well, because I would feel I was in sin and disobedience to God, staying where I was because it felt like God was calling me to elsewhere to go. And how, historically in my life, when God's, I feel like God's calling me to go somewhere, he puts the faraway calling as the goal and my mind says I go straight from the starting point to the destination. I forget that God has a journey for us to follow, and he's got lives he wants us to touch all along the way. But if that's not happening the way we expect it to happen, 
we have to give the freedom to God to work not just in our lives, but in the lives of the people around us and to walk in fullness of joy as we're doing it. Because ultimately, you know, it, Pastor Bob's right, it's not giving all that we have to God. We get, need to give all that we are to the point that our identity is not found in what we're doing, but our identity is found in Christ. So when somebody looks at us, they don't say, hey, isn't he the painter? Isn't he the preacher? Isn't, he, uh, isn't she the gardener? Isn't she the grandma down the road that takes care of those kids? No. They, all that's great stuff. But they need to look at us and say, hey, aren't they a Christian? They love Jesus. They love me. They're different than those other people. Because our identity is found in Christ. Christ in us. The hope of glory. And that's what God's calling us into, is these works that were prepared for us before the creation of the world. God knew us before it was all here. So whether you're old earth or new earth, I don't care. You know, God knew you before this earth was here. God had a plan for you before this earth was here. We were made in his likeness and in his image, just as Pastor was saying this morning. Because God created us to have a relationship with, it, with him. That was the whole point of it. The angels, as much as we like to see the pictures of these angels that look like people with wings, they still weren't created in God's image. It was us. Same way our kids are created in our image when we have kids. So that we can relate with them. In ways that nobody else can. We were created in the image of God in that exact same way. So God can relate with each one of us Uniquely. Am I making sense? This is part of the discipleship thing. You know, I'm sharing part of what I've gone through so that you guys can relate to me and then apply my experiences to your lives so that God can change you through through what I'm saying. I'm basically the letter that was sent in the mail and it's your guys' choice on whether you want to open it up and read it or not. Some people will throw it away. Ah, it's junk mail. Other people say, hey, what's this? Oh, wow, that was actually good. So hopefully I'm not the junk mail this morning. Um, well, I guess I'm going to, that's my introduction of who we are, and I'll get into what we are here shortly. So I just want to pray real quick. Father God, I just Pray you open our hearts, open our minds and our ears to your spirit and what you're saying to your churches, Lord Jesus. I do pray that you speak to our hearts, that you change our lives. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So, I want to talk about doing the right things for the right reasons. You know, if you do the right things, but you've got done, the, done them for the wrong reasons, even though it was a good thing, it was still the wrong thing. You know, God says, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. That's what he told, said in Samuel. Yeah, so it's, it's not about doing all these great things for God, becoming a missionary and trying to go overseas. Our motto for who we are is we're missionaries from Alaska to Brazil. So we're in the two part right now. But... It's not about doing something so the person next to you can see you. It's not about doing something for a pat on the back. It's about doing something out of obedience to Christ so that Christ can do what he sees 
the Father in heaven doing through you. And then watch Christ through you change the world. And it comes down to obedience. Because God's not going to bless something that he's not in. What is it that Gamaliel said to the uh, Pharisees about the apostles? If this is of God, you can't stop it. But if it's not of God, it's just going to fall apart. And I believe Gamaliel was right when he said that. So, let's see what my notes say. So, uh, the other day I, had, I shared with Pastor Bob a little bit about the Church of Ephesus. I want to share a little bit about it this morning. Uh, I'm not going to go into the, as much detail as I was sharing with Pastor because there are certain things I want to focus on. But I want to focus on our first, I don't know, about three, four verses of the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation, chapter 2. To the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. This is talking about Jesus. That's okay. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, I know your deeds. This is Jesus telling the church of Ephesus, the church of two rivers, I know your deeds. Your hard work and your perseverance. And I know these deeds. I've I, I known the outreach that we've done to the communities, how, you know, fixing up different places and working around here and feeding, you know, having the food bank in a couple of different locations and, and a plethora of other things that we do. And they're great deeds. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. And you, you, you test, okay, this guy, is, that's of God, or dude, that ain't God. You know, and you, you, you know, you're testing these people to find out, well, are these guys hypocrites, or are they genuine Christians? If they're genuine Christians, I want to get to know these people because I want part of what they have so we can grow together. And that's what we do as a healthy Christian community. We find those that are of a like heart that will challenge us and sharpen us so that we can grow more in the, in, in the faith. Because as long as we're divided, the world's not going to come to know Christ. But when we start coming together and we're letting each other sharpen our, each other, the world's going to see that, the love that we have for each other, not the competition. It's too easy to say, well, I'm not as eloquent as Pastor Bob. I can't act as good as him. You know, I... I, I I can't show the love and compassion the way that he does. Well, guess what? I'm not called to be Pastor Bob. My calling right down this stage of my life is to teach. It's to teach people how to understand the Word of God and break it down into a way that they can understand it. And uh, if I try to be like Pastor Bob, even though he's a great thing and he's a great guy to be like, I'm not called to be Pastor Bob. I can be called to follow Christ in the same way that Pastor Bob follows Christ. But I'm not called to be Pastor Bob. And what I mean by that is the love and the passion that he has for Jesus and how, how, how to relate with Christ. We can learn all that from our pastor and we can learn that kind of stuff from each one of us who are on fire for Jesus and want more of Jesus. And we can see, learn... Well, how do they hear the shepherd's voice? I, I've, been, I, I've been saved all these years, but how do I know God's voice? Well, let's listen to other sheep who have learned to recognize the voice of God so that now we can recognize the voice of God. So you don't learn a voice 
by simply hearing it once. Or at least I don't. You know, anybody who has pets, their pet, their pet doesn't listen to you right away. But with time and love and patience, that pet learns your voice. And it's the same way with God. There's so much in this world that parallels the natural and the spiritual. And that's, that's a big one. Why can't I hear the voice of God? Because I'm not praying, because I'm not fasting, because I'm not reading the Word regularly. I only do it when, it, when there's trouble around. Well, you're going to be a bunch of skinny sheep. You know, but if we're reading the Word of God, if we're praying, if we're fasting, if we're hanging out with believers that aren't telling us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear, those are people who love us. Especially when they're telling it to you with tears in their eyes. Because, you know, they care for you. You know, in uh, Ephesians here, God's saying you're doing these great things. You don't tolerate. So I know your hard work and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people. That you have tasted, or that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and have found them false. These are all things that these people in Ephesians are doing intentionally. When we left Alaska, we left intentionally. My wife did it out of obedience as my wife. Not necessarily because that's what she felt like she wanted to do. You know, she hasn't complained. She's been a wonderful support. She's truly uh, the, the rib that was in my rib cage. You know, for you men out there, you need to know that your wife wasn't taken out of your foot to be below you. No, she taken out of your head to be above you. But she was taken out of your side to be with you, to be beside you. And again, we're, that's the same way we are with Christ. You know, we're, we're all part of the body of Christ, and we're supposed to be walking with Christ, not ahead of Christ, to be ahead of what he's doing in our own time, and not behind him, to be seeing what Christ is doing up here and just kind of following him and always missing what he's doing. But we're called through relationship to be walking with Christ. You know, my wife's part of my ministry. She gives, she, being a rib, she gives me strength, encouragement. She, gives me, she protects my heart because she says, you need to watch out for this, you need to watch out for that. I'm like, why? Just trust me, you, you need to watch out. And guess what? She's usually right. But that's her job. My job is the messenger. You know? But just these Ephesians, they had to be intentional, just like we all have to be intentional on what we're doing. And like I said, it's, they're doing great things. God says, I know your works. These are the works I mentioned earlier that God prepared for us before the creation of this world. So God, God knew what we were to do and that we would do them. But there's a problem coming up. He says, you've persevered and have endured hardships for my name's sake. And we're all feeling the financial crunch. And some of us have already suffered persecution for what we believe because we don't do this or that because it will go against our faith. It could, it could be anything from... It, could, it literally could, could be anything if it, if it would contradict or compromise our walk with Christ. Whether it's a place that you're working, whether it's a way that you're talking, whether it's people that you just don't hang out with. Because at this moment in time, you're not strong enough to be the witness that God's called you to be, mostly because you're the only Christian in that group by yourself. When, when you've got two or more there, 
you'll have the back the support that you need to walk and to pick yourself up if you fall and to encourage you as you're evangelizing to these people. Most Christians that will end up backsliding are backsliding because they're the only Christian in that group and they find the need and the desire to be accepted by that group over to non-compromisingly sharing the love of Christ with them. So you've persevered and endured hardship for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. That's verse 4. Verse 5. Consider how far you have fallen. And in the meantime, you're thinking, we're doing all this great stuff. I've fallen? What, what do you mean I've forsaken my first love? I'm doing this stuff for you, Jesus, because I love you. I'm working 40 hours, 50, 60 hours a week because I love my wife. I'm building these houses. I'm doing this. I'm doing that because I love my spouse. What do you mean I've forsaken my first love? Do what you did. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent. At this moment, you're still not realizing, why am I needing to repent? And do the things you did at first. Well, what did I do at first? What I did at first when I met my wife, well, when I met her, I avoided her. Um, I just thought she talked too much, and, you know, I just, it is what it is, you know. But when we started getting to know each other, what I did at first, once I got to know that, hey, she's all right, you know, I did what I could, no matter what it cost me, to spend one moment with her. If in, you know, we were living on the mouth of Hess Creek and we had a drive, you know, she was living just upstream from the Yukon River Bridge during breakup on her birthday. I drove my boat through all that, those big old icebergs coming down during breakup just to be with her. I'm not saying it was a smart thing to do, but I did it. And the motivation for me to do it was because I wanted to be with her. I spent hundreds of dollars in fuel driving back and forth just so she can get supplies, but I get to hang out with her when she goes shopping. You know, it's, it's, it was costing me something so that I could spend time with her. And what the problem with the Ephesians is it's costing them something to, spend, to do stuff for God. But they're sacrificing doing stuff for God for, you know, and missing out on spending time with God. And that's where the whole being part of Christ's rib comes from. Because we're the bride of Christ. That means we're called to be with Christ in the things that he does. So that as you're doing the work that you're doing, we're doing it with the one that we love. With the one that, that had called us at first. And not forsaken that love that he's called us to. Because we have that constant reminder. Not just when you go home and you high-five your wife and you go to bed. You know, that, that ain't nothing. That's just, that, 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 that was an act, believe it or not, it's, just, it's a literal act of works in your relationship. We, we read, where do we read it at? We read all the way in, uh, um, maybe I didn't save it. Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. It says, Many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. 
Then I will tell them plainly. Now, this is Jesus speaking. I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So here's a bunch of guys doing the works of God, but they left their first love. They lost the relationship. You know, a, a man that God told me years ago, and I believe it, says nobody ever suffered burnout for, from overwork. You suffer burnout for doing the right things for the wrong reasons. You, you have this, I've got to mentality. I've got to be that best Christian. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do all these things. And the thing is, is you can't measure up. Because you're not called to do all those things. Christ is called to do all those things through you. It's not your responsibility. Your only responsibility is to be there when and where Christ calls you to be. It's Christ's responsibility then to work through you. Before I got up here, I was telling my wife, I'm just shaking, my heart's thumping. I'm scared to get up here. Just being honest. Because I know my job to come up here is to bring the Word of God. My job is to try to bring the heart of God in a way that everybody can hear, learn, listen, and be changed. Because if you don't understand what I'm saying, guess what? I'm speaking empty words. If I don't have that love in my heart for each one of you guys, even though I don't quite understand the right way to express it, again, it's just empty words. But I believe most of you can see the love that I have for you guys. Every once in a while, my voice cracks. You know, I've got, yeah, I've got that com- compassion there. And again, I, I go on these tangents to let you know I'm human. You're not the only one that deals with these issues. It's part of re- learning to rely on God because when I'm weak, guess what? He's strong. He says, Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. That's scary. That's Lord, Lord. Had we not done all these things. Lord, I've worked at, I've helped with the food bank for years. Lord, I've brought food for over here for so-and-so. I've cleaned their house for so-and-so. I've, I've babysat. I've helped with these kids and these widows. You know, I've done all these great things in your name. But I didn't know you. You forsook me. It, it, and you've replaced the love you have for me for the works that you're doing out there. Not so that I can see you and be proud of you because of your obedience, but so that the world can see you and give you a pat on the back and say what a nice person you are. I'm not here to step on anybody's toes. I'm just sharing with what I've had to go through. In Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 20, it says, Then she called, referring to Delilah, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. This is a scary verse, part of the verse coming up. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go as, I, as before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. We tend to make God's presence and his calling a commonplace. Like Samson, we take his presence and his calling for granted. You know, like Pastor was saying, you know, oftentimes you come in and we're still chit-chatting and the music starts when it's time to focus on our first love. 
if you were just if you were engaged and your fiance was st- came up behind you and started rubbing your back or whatever, you'd immediately stop, turn over to them, and spend full attention to them. And that's what's happening when this music's playing. It, it, it's God through the pastor in the church trying to bring awareness to the presence of God in this place. In reality, that God's presence has never left. Whether or not you feel God's presence is your awareness that he's here. How focused are you on you versus how focused you are on Christ? Because he's, om- he's, um, he's omniscient, uh, omnipotent, omnipotent, omnipresent. That's the word I'm looking for. That just means he's everywhere at one time. How can he do this, you say? Well, he made space, which means he's outside of it. So he can be anywhere he wants to be because he's not bound to it. So he's always here with us. We're just not aware of them because we're too focused on ourselves and our situations. But that music, when it starts playing, that's time for us to really start focusing and being with him. Focusing on that presence. The calling is in the commonplace. Though well, it can feel like it sometimes because it just feels like you fall into routine. Well, that routine is, when you start feeling like it's routine, what it is is, You've taken the God's calling for granted, and now you're doing the right things, all these good works, enduring all these hardships, all these trials, for the wrong reason. You've forsaken that relationship with Christ and why you're doing what you're doing. These callings and these things that we do, that's an outflow. That's the fruit of that change in our lives. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. The fruit of the Spirit. And then we go off on the nine fruits. But the thing is, is, you have to have the Spirit in order to have the fruit. No fruit, no Spirit. You know, and that's the same with works. James says, you know, you, I, I'll show you my faith by my works. Faith without works is dead, right? So if, you've got, if you're going to have, if you have faith, that relationship with Christ, you're automatically going to have those, those fruits. How long do I have? Okay, because I forgot to look when I got up here. I was sharing with him how I was going to preach a message a while back down in Florida, and I took a screenshot of the verse I was going to read, and I just I read the verse and was preaching out of it the whole time, and I, I didn't pay attention to what time it was when I took the screenshot, and I probably went 45 minutes, and the time never changed, and I, I, I noticed that it was still the same time. I said, how long have I been going? <laughs> Everybody's getting fidgety and everything. And um, in John 3, verse 20 and 21, it says, Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes to the light so that we may be seen, so that it may be seen, not we may be seen, but the light, it, may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So, yes, if, if we've got these evil deeds, in our, these things, the bad stuff that we've done, we don't want to go in the presence of God because we feel bad. We need to repent. Then go in the presence of God. Because God's not going to convict you. Or he's going to convict you, but he's not going to condemn you after you've repented. That's the devil's job. 
That's how you recognize the, an attack of the devil from God convicting you. Because the condemnation comes from the devil and it draws you from God. It keeps you focused on your situations. But the conviction of God, when God tells you you've done wrong, you need to repent, it draws you to God. And as you're going through it, you're constantly relying on God and his presence. And what we do, our righteousness is made, it, we have the, our works of righteousness through our relationship with Christ so that God can, so the world can glorify God through the things that we do. That, that, that was, that, that's, we're literally, like I said earlier, Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is what God's calling us into. Not being afraid to let that light shine because we are the light of the world. Because Christ is in us. And I see the kids coming up, so I'll hurry it up. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse us, cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Remember, I says, I've asked certain sins, I've asked for forgiveness a hundred times. God still forgave me once. It's the devil who keeps bringing those things up. We're forgiven. Our life has changed. And the ultimate goal of all this, and I'm going to just wrap it up really fast, is uh, found in our Great Commission. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 18. It says, Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That means it's God's authority. Not just in heaven, but heaven and earth. Which means that same authority he's sitting on, he has on the throne, he has here. Therefore, that word therefore means because of this, because all authority has been given to God, Christ, in heaven and earth, go and make disciples of all nations. Remember, it's converts. You, sh- you let them know what color your kitchen walls are. Bring them in and let them realize, hey, your house is dirty too. But guess what? We love you. Show them how to live that Christian life. Because when I got saved, I had nobody to teach me how to be a Christian. I had nobody that could teach me to balance, you know, a family life with scripture life and with a job. You know, I had to learn that through the school of hard knocks. But now that I know it, I can teach it. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So everything that he's commanded us and told us to do and we're doing, we can teach them to do the same. Not tell them. There's a difference between telling and teaching. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And that reproduction comes through the relationship. I don't have kids unless I have a relationship with my wife. And we don't have spiritual kids unless we have a relationship with Christ. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. We're not doing this alone. We need to remember it's Christ not just with us, but through us. Not behind us, not in front of us, but through us. And I want to give it back to Pastor because I think it's about time. So, Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you.